I uh, want to uh, apologize to you because um, it was never my intention for you to feel teased. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I, I sincerely believe that you have a voice we need to hear. And yes, there's others who might be f- feeling like they've been teased. Please hear me. I, I really, really believe in the development of our community sermons and getting more of you up here because I think God has planted his seed and his desire for mission in so many of you. And I think we have budding preachers in this place. And I'm really, really worried that you're going to get tired of me. So if I put more people up here, then maybe it'll stretch my time out a little longer and it'll be, it'll be maybe a couple more years before you decide that you want to kick me out. Um, well, I, I love that. I just want to take a moment and acknowledge how profound it is for one church to say we need to support another church and to gather not in their abundance but in their in their need to say we're going to support our brothers and sisters and we're going to help them do the call of ministry and mission into their context and something so simple as a panel on the roof to bring power so they have light. And I I have seen that joy. And it's a profoundly moving moment when you realize how much we take things for granted. I remember myself in Nairobi, my very first mission trip, and the kids were chasing me around. And I don't know if you experienced this, Moab, because you're like me. We have arms that have hair, and they often don't. And they were constantly pulling at the hair on my arms. They were fascinated by it. Nothing I said mattered. (laughs) It was the hair on my arms. It was just one of those moments of going, I feel like a (laughs) pincushion. Here I thought I was going to do this amazing work for Jesus, and all I was was this toy. They're just pulling on my hair. Jesus says, therefore, go and make disciples to all of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. See, Moab and Rania and their team and their church obeyed this command to go make disciples of all nations. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. Such a profound invitation into partnering with Jesus, telling people about me everywhere. And as Moab said so brilliantly, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We have just witnessed the obedience to this call from our brothers and sisters 
in Egypt to go serve our brothers and sisters in Uganda. Mission means sent. But it means sent by someone in authority. And so in the obedience of stepping up, Moab and Rania grasped hold of this gospel mission to do ministry. And what is profound about this example is that it is in both word and deed. They came to teach. They came to empower. They came to instruct. They came to serve. And at the same time that they were building up Sunday school teachers, telling the community about Christ, they were taking care of something so simple as light and food. The early church responded to the call in this similar way and gave us a pattern for us to follow. This has been a meaningful passage for me in my years as I've sought to serve God in this way. Meanwhile, the believers who had been scattered during the persecution after Stephen's death traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch of Syria. They preached the word of God, but only to Jews. However, some of the believers who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. The power of the Lord was with them, and a large number of these Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. When the church at Jerusalem heard what was happening, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived, he saw this evidence of God's blessing. He was filled with joy and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith, and many people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went on to Tarsus to look for Saul, who is Paul. When he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. Both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. It was Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. During this time, some prophets traveled from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up in one, of, in one of the meetings and predicted by the Spirit that a great famine was coming upon the entire Roman world. This was fulfilled during the reign of Claudius. So the believers in Antioch decided to send relief to the brothers and sisters in Judea, everyone giving as much as they could this they did, entrusting their gifts to Barnabas and Saul to take to the elders of the church in Jerusalem. I think what we witness today from Moab is an exact following of this pattern. It says the believers who had been scattered during persecution began to share the word. You see, things weren't perfect. They weren't waiting for the right conditions. They weren't waiting for things to be in order. In whatever circumstances they found themselves in, even under persecution and being scattered from their home, they followed Christ's command and they preached to marginalized people. They were marginalized people. And the gospel took root in a place where things were turned upside down. And they preached the word of God, but they 
started preaching to the Jews. It's like coming and sharing with the local church. And then all of a sudden, it starts to push out beyond the church, and they share with the Gentiles. I think sometimes that has to do with our own confidence. You see, I stand up here and I'm speaking to you and over the years of doing this, I've become a little bit more confident week by week by week so that maybe the first few times I was wobbly when I was sharing with my church, I was terrified about sharing with others, where now I can stand up in front of anybody because God has given me the peace to be able to do that. And so in following this pattern of just obediently sharing as we are where we are, we start to move out beyond ourselves. You see, Scripture is central to the Christian mission. And Scripture tells us we're to go. And so they shared the Word of God. They shared the Gospel message. And they do so in word and deed. You see, the Bible shapes our thoughts, shapes our actions, shapes our worldview. And so we go open-handed in faith that God's going to provide what we need. And the church sent Barnabas. This is a really key point. It's the church that sends because it's Christ who sent the church. And so we go, and sometimes this is challenging. You see, I think we need a little bit of humility here because the church hasn't always gone well. We can often go in ways that do damage. And so part of this process is to go with humility, to go with grace, to go prepared to learn as much as we teach, get as much as we give, and to be humble about what it is we're being called to do. It's interesting in my time serving overseas that often I would see people try to disconnect their work from the local church. They would get frustrated with a local church. As Canadian Baptists, our partnership with CBM is always connected to a local church. And if there is no local church, they will church plant. Once that church has been planted, that's our partner. Because we want to serve the church. Because it is the church that sends. And when he arrived, he saw evidence of God's blessing. This is such an important peace to remember. I hear again and again and again missionaries or newly minted ones and I remember being that and we're all excited and some of the things we say later on we regret and I remember saying it, I'm going to bring Jesus. And it's an absurd statement because Jesus is already there and the Holy Spirit is already working and active in that place before we even get a speck of dust and dirt from that place on our shoes. And so we go looking for the activity of the Holy Spirit. We go looking for evidence of where God is making his way, where he is penetrating the darkness. And we go in partnership to what Jesus has already started. And then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. We're never meant to do this alone. Moab didn't go by himself. 
He brought Rania. He brought a team of three other people. Find someone to partner with. As I said, with CBM, we only partner with the local church. Jesus sent them out two by two. Because God knows we need help. We need support. And so we wait. The call is to wait for what God knows we need. If there's a ministry you're thinking of doing, and some of you have talked to me about ministries you'd like to do, and you'll remember one of the first things I tell you is find a partner. And if you find a partner, someone who wants to do the same thing, feels the same call, then the church will support you. Because we can't do these things alone. And then finally, the believers in Antioch decided to send relief. It is both word and deed. And like this story that we heard this morning of the church in Egypt that was really concerned, and I really appreciate more of you saying, I lacked faith. Because, you know, I lack faith all the time on some of this stuff. And I've seen God provide again and again and again, and I have no excuse for having a lack of faith. But God brings what we need, and we're called to be concerned about poverty, both spiritual and economic. So this includes looking at systems of injustice, systems of oppression, systems that marginalize people. I see so often people going to the field, either doing just word, I am there to preach the gospel because that's the only thing that matters and I'm not going to be looking at anything else. And conversely, I see people going, I'm there to do community development and I'm only going to serve the poor. I'm not about church planting. I'm only there to feed people. And God wants the church to do both, word and deed. And that's what we saw in the story this morning. And that's the call for us to live this story. I heard recently about a church in Detroit that was facing significant unemployment and decreased giving. And of course, Detroit has faced its own bleak prospects as the world has changed and industry has decreased in that place. And the church was facing increasing utility bills and found that they were having trouble paying their bills. And so they chose, as a board, they voted on decreasing giving to missions in order to pay their bills, in order to keep the church open. One week later, one week later, they reversed that decision. Because over the course of that week, God had impressed upon them, and their own pastor's explanation for this reversal was, we learned that you can be a church and not pay your gas bill and not have a building. But you can't be a church and not be a missionary. A church is missionary. That's our calling. That's what God has given to us as a task to carry into the world in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. Fort Saskatchewan, Edmonton, Canada, the world. We are mission. And so I have a desire for us to strengthen our mission response. The board is talking about where we need to move to, local, regional, global. 
We're having conversations right now with Canadian Baptist Ministries about sending a team to Guatemala because I want you to have an opportunity to experience what Moab and Rania had. I think in generosity we can go far beyond what we can even imagine right now because that's what God, I believe that's what God is calling this community to do. But if you're like me, you have a tendency to be inward focused, to be concerned about your own situation. And so when things get tough, finances are pinched, bills are getting harder to pay, we'll sometimes say we need to cut mission so we can pay the gas bill. I believe as disciples, Jesus is transforming us from being self-centered people to other-centered people who want us to do the work of God. And sometimes, even with our concerns, even though we are pointing inwards, God is doing a work in us. And he's making it more and more not just about us. Instead of our gaze being fixed inward, there's an invitation to be concerned about what God is concerned about, to become his instruments and his agents in this world. This is what we saw Moab and Rania do. So in the situations we encounter, in the people we meet, in the call from other places in the world, I think God is calling us to respond. And I think God is calling us not to stop looking inward. And I want to be clear, your concerns are valid and real. Your struggle and your pain needs attention. We're not going to stop caring about you. But I think there's a call for us to begin to return to that outward gaze. I've seen you do it through the Lord's pantry brilliantly all through COVID. We have maintained our mission giving. We've never wavered on that through all of our difficulties. Even when Gwen was coming to me and saying, I don't think we can pay the gas bill. I think we can go further. And that's, I believe, the inspiration this morning for Moab and Rania. To embrace this call to become mission. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the faithfulness of Moab and Rania as they and their community sought out and served this church in Uganda serve these people who so many have been displaced from global movements that impact individuals but seemingly has no ability to even notice them. Lord, thank you that they went and noticed them. Lord, that they were face to face to see their joy. 
Lord, for the ways that Moab and his team were influenced and impacted by these believers in Uganda, thank you for the way we as a church, when we come together, strengthen one another. Lord, I pray for the church in Egypt. I pray, Lord, as they continue to reach out in faithfulness, that you will bless them overwhelmingly so that they can continue to serve you in this profound way. Lord, for the church in Uganda, we pray that they would continue to be able to serve you well in such challenging circumstances that, Lord, we would see them touch the lives of men, women, and children, that they would know you personally. And Lord, we pray with audacity that you would influence global movements so that the violence and the, the ways that these communities are marginalized would be brought to justice. That governments would function for the purpose of human flourishing and not for, for exploitation. And, it, Lord, and Lord, for the ways that these mustard seeds that sometimes feel so insignificant in the vast movement of global change, I pray, Lord, that the little things we do would have a ripple effect through time. Lord, I pray for our church. I pray, Lord, as we pick up the mantle for mission, that you would lead us to the places we need to go, the people we need to serve. Lord, we pray that this ongoing conversation with Guatemala, that Lord, you would be with the, with the church there as well. Lord, we lift up Byron to you and the way he serves. But Lord, I pray it doesn't end there. I pray, Lord, for families first, for, for Hope International, for the all the places that we serve for compassion who many in our, in our, in our congregation um, give to children. Lord, for all the ways that we serve, for all the ways that we support, I pray for those ministries in that mission. And we, Lord, we pray for your abundance. Not so that we can have better or more, but that we could give away more. Lord, we ask this in your precious name. Amen.